Welcome to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. I'm Jamie Scrimger, wife, mom, stepmom, life coach, conversation opener, and BS caller. Seven years ago, I found myself sitting on the bathroom floor with a glass of wine, bawling my eyes out, wondering what the heck I was thinking, marrying a man with three kids and an ex-wife. Don't get me wrong, I was madly in love, the kids were great, but as a 26-year-old with zero experience in the parenting department, I was in over my head. When I went to the internet for support, I was disappointed with what I found. So I decided to create the type of support that I was looking for. Raw and real conversations about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. Life can be hard, really freaking hard, but each week I'll bring you tips and strategies and mindset shifts to help you thrive amongst the tough stuff in life. My goal is to inspire you to live your version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Let's do this. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. Guys, I am, I'm just so happy that you're here. I have to say, this podcast is blowing my mind lately. The guests, the conversations, the way that you guys are showing up for me and helping me spread the word, the connections that we're making, I just... I can't thank you enough. I set out this year with the intention of taking this podcast to the next level and we're doing it. And I'm just so proud and so grateful and just so happy about the conversations that we're having. So again, thank you. I couldn't do this without all of you. So yes, thank you. That's that. (laughs) So before we get into this episode, I do have a little housekeeping on what's happening over on our end. So on March 5th, so that is the first Friday in March, I am actually closing down enrollment to my membership, the exclusive stepmom community. And moving forward, I'm only going to be opening up enrollment a couple times a year. So there is going to be basically limited opportunities to join. So you have to join when the card is open. And if it's closed, you hop on the wait list, but that's how we're going to be doing things. And I'm doing this for a couple of reasons. Logistically, it's just easier for me on the back end if we're not constantly promoting the community. I'll just be straight up on that. But from a relationship and coaching perspective, this change allows me to really pour my energy into members so I can provide support in the forum interview the best experts, do the free coaching calls, write exclusive articles, and just really pour into the women who have committed to change. Because when you join the community, you do so because you want to change. You want to live a kick-ass life. Amongst the extra stressors, you want to learn strategies to improve your step-family life, your partnerships, all the things. And I really want to give it my all and help you make that happen. So this switch is going to let me, or just give me more space to do that. So I'm super excited about it. And, you know, as that membership grows, the numbers just continue to grow and it continues to blow my mind because if you haven't heard me talk about this, when I first shared my idea for this membership with my husband and with my team, everyone was kind of like, I don't know, but it has been such a huge success. And I want to keep that tight knit exclusive feeling so that you have this safe and comfortable space to come to when you're struggling and when you need support. So if you've been thinking about joining, but haven't taken the plunge, it's less than 40 cents a day to have access to coaching and support and resources when you feel like you're really struggling. Plus you get content and next level conversations that I don't share anywhere else. So find the information www.jamiescrimshire.com forward slash membership. And I will say, I've I've been kind of debating on whether to bring this up or not, but 
I had a stepmom reach out to me and say that she feels guilty for investing the $11.99 a month to be a member. And she wanted to cancel her membership because she felt like she needed to spend it on her family or elsewhere. But she was super appreciative of the support and said it's been so great for her to have this space to go to. And so here's my thoughts on this. I get everyone is in a different financial situation and $11.99 means different things to different people. But whether it's my membership or working with someone else or investing in a book or a journal or counseling, whatever it is, you are worth it. Your growth and sanity and connection and mental health is worth a hell of a lot more than $11.99 a month. No matter what your situation is, and I'm serious, it is. I don't think that you can get a burrito and a drink for less than $11.99 nowadays. And you, my beautiful friend, are worth way more than a burrito and a drink. Okay? So I just wanted to get that pep talk out. You Don't be afraid to invest in yourself because you deserve it and your family deserves it. Now, let's get to this week's episode. This week, I am interviewing Wendy Tamas Robbins. She is a lawyer by day, a writer by night. She is a second wife to her second husband and has been a stepmom for over a decade. She describes herself as an anxious overachiever and a professional panic attacker. Wendy grew up in a working class town and describes her home life as ridden with instability, mental illness, and addictions. She has endured decades of nearly crippling anxiety and bouts of depression. But despite her anxiety, she has been successful both academically and professionally. She earned a scholarship and has worked to put herself through college and law school and has now worked in corporate finance for over 20 years. In this episode, we dive into the work that Wendy has done to overcome her anxiety and how her anxiety has showed up in her stepfamily life and what stepfamily life did to her anxiety, how she has identified and managed her triggers by rewriting the stories she was telling herself and why now she believes that anxiety was a blessing and it's now her superpower. So whether you feel crippled by your anxiety or not, you are going to find something in this episode. It is so powerful. It is so informative. You are going to see yourself in Wendy and you are going to be inspired because she is one hell of a woman and I am so excited to share her with you. Let's dive in. Wendy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So happy to be here. I know. And I'm so, I've been looking forward to this conversation because, you know, when I stumbled upon your website, I was like, you know what, I have to share Wendy with my community. I was just, you just have so, you're so authentic and real about your own situation and your own struggles and how it's led it to where, led you to where you are now. And that's what I'm all about. So I'm, I'm really excited for this conversation today. So to start, for those who aren't familiar with you, can you give us a bit of um, an introduction, who you are, what you're about, what you got going on? Sure. So um, by day, I'm a corporate tax and finance attorney. Um, really exciting. And I'm a stepmom of two teenage kids who I've been with since they were just little people, like two and four. Um, it's my second marriage, and I'm my husband's second wife. And I've been... Well, I, I'm not still struggling. I struggled with uh, an anxiety and panic attack disorder 
for almost 40 years and having come out the other side of that, that's really where um, my website was born out of and uh, my new book and all of that to kind of share my experience with the world and, um, you know, bring some hope and light into those dark spaces. Mm -hmm. I love that. And when you say because I feel like anxiety has become such a buzzword, right? Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's like, oh, this makes me anxious or I'm going to have an anxiety attack over that. And I feel like, because I have had, I, I've been in the hospital over my anxiety attacks, like anxiety, you know, it's such, there's such a large spectrum here. So for you, what, what did anxiety and, and panic look like? Like what, what was that experience like for you? So for me, it started really young. It started at like five years old and it actually started in a box, which is where I got the name for my book. My parents had bought a refrigerator um, and they put that huge cardboard box in the living room for the kids to play in. And I had an older sister and a younger brother and I was the only one that took the bait and got in that box. And I remember not so much playing in that box, but I was really escaping from everything that was scaring me outside of the box. And um, I was really hiding and hearing the screaming voices and plates crashing and things like that. And I think that that's really where it all started. And we moved the following year and I feel like emotionally, I took that box with me and I started building these walls around me, which was really the anxiety taking hold. And I shortly thereafter had my first panic attack and those really never stopped. And over the years, um, I think fifth grade was the first time I had my first bout with depression. And that's when I really knew I was aware enough that something was really going terribly wrong. And so I started recognizing my triggers and avoiding them which created thicker and taller walls, right? Trying to create this safe space where all of these scary thoughts wouldn't come out again. And so that just like metastasized over the years until I found myself calling a suicide hotline as a sophomore in college. And then it turned into health anxiety, social anxiety. Um, like I said, panic attacks, like three a day, you know, and as you know, I've heard you talk about it on some of your um, previous podcasts where it really feels like you're dying. Like you are convinced you're going to die. And to be going through that, that many times in a day, really just, that's where dissociation started for me, where your brain sort of just shuts down and your sense of reality becomes very distorted because your mind just needs to take a break and find a safe time to reset. So that's kind of the evolution of it for me until I found some ways um, in my early 30s, um, some ways to really um, manage my symptoms so that I could continue to live this life. Because I was a corporate lawyer, I was in a large law firm and nobody knew what was going on with me. And I was really struggling just to get to the office. I was having such panic on like, um, you know, the train and in traffic and things like that. I was completely spent and exhausted by the time I got to the office by eight o'clock in the morning. And so it was really difficult to function. So I did find ways to start to manage it, but also start to hide it, which I think is something that we do really well, right? Unfortunately. So the rest of the world doesn't even know to ask the question, are you okay? So the next 10 years of my life were really about that, managing and hiding um, my symptoms and functioning at a very high level. 
until about five or six years ago when I really, you know, I had expanded my box. It was bigger. I could move around. I was traveling and things like that. But um, I knew I was still accommodating anxiety on a daily basis but I could see the cracks in the walls around me and I could see this light shining in and I so desperately wanted more. You know, that thing that's so deep inside of you that's just calling for more. Mm -hmm. Like I, I meant for more than managing my anxiety on a daily basis. And so that's when I started, um, I asked my, this question to the people that I had around me, like my psychiatrist and my life coach and some other friends who knew about it, you know, is there a possibility that I could actually live a life free from this after having struggled with it for so long, like decades long? And they all came back and said, I don't know. And so I really needed to find out for myself. And I didn't know what that looked like. I had no guarantee of success or feeling secure or safe along the way. You know, you're putting yourself in a very vulnerable position. So that's kind of where this work started for me. I love it. And when you talk about managing your anxiety, you're saying like you're going about your day managing your anxiety. What did you have to do to expand that box or to get through the day with those anxious feelings? Like what, what did that look like? Um, a lot of distraction, a lot of, um, schedule routine, uh, making lists, uh, reminding myself who I was, I would lose myself a lot. I would lose my compass, you know, um, my identity. There were days that I would look in the mirror and still really not recognize myself. And so I would, I would have old songs that I could tap into, um, from those, you know, those places of feeling, uh, like so powerful and in like when I was in high school and, and things like that. Um, but just to work through my day, I did have like little tricks of places to hide and things to avoid, like the boardroom and meetings with partners and lunches with new associates and where I would just hyperventilate. I wouldn't be able to eat. And so, you know, unfortunately, you find ways to do that. I mean, I wasn't talking to my husband at the time about it either. So I would accidentally, quote unquote, miss my train and have to be driven to work by him. And, um, so you just kind of find ways to piece it together. And then at that time I did find, um, the Midwest center for anxiety and depression. Lucinda Bassett has an amazing program, um, where I found one relaxation meditation that really helped me to unwind at the end of the day and stop those racing thoughts, um, that we all know and suffer from, I'm sure if we have anxiety and, some other workbooks are around really recognizing my what if cycles and those negative thought patterns. Um, so that was, those were kind of the tricks that I was using at the time. I have another, by the way, I have another great meditation for you because I, I did listen to one of your prior podcasts about anxiety and your racing mind and how you feel like sometimes the wheels are just going faster and you really can't catch up with it. Um, and just as an aside, when I was asking my life coaches that question around, is there even a possibility of living without anxiety, controlling your life? Martha Beck, who is such a great life coach and she's Mar uh, Oprah Winfrey's life coach. And I got the opportunity to speak to her directly and ask her the question. And she said, I don't know, 
But then she said, but I have a place where you can start. And that was exactly what I was looking for, right? A place to start. And she gave me this meditation that I have up on my website. Um, and it's about this horse running in a ring and it's an unbroken horse and it just runs and runs and runs. And you just sit in this meditation and you just watch it run. And it's essentially the embodiment of your racing thoughts. And she said, you just sit with that horse for as long as it takes weeks or months until that horse is exhausted and stops. And for me at the time, I had for years said, you know, I can do this little relaxation meditation. It's just guided. And I go to this nice little, you know, waterfall and I sit there for a minute and I feel calmer. But the thought of sitting alone with my thoughts for more than 10 seconds was such a terrifying thought, which I think is true for most people with anxiety. Going inside their mind is just a horrifying, like, you know, image. So this meditation, I think, is a wonderful way to um, to process those racing thoughts. And it's just not so scary because it's not this blank slate that you're not sure what's going to come up for you. It's a very active med meditation. So... Yeah, yeah, send it my way. I will link it for everyone. Because, you know, I hear people say, you need to just sit in silence. You need to meditate. You just need to be still with your thoughts. And like you said, for someone who has anxieties, you want me to hang out in this place? I try <laughs> to avoid this place all day long. And you want me just to sit there with my thoughts? Like that to me is like torture, right? Exactly. Because you're just tuning into it, which, you know, you obviously have to get to the place where you're managing your thoughts and all of that. But initially that is terrifying. It truly, it truly is. And listening to you talk about just how you were trying to manage your day, right? And there's almost this aspect for me, and I don't know, maybe this, I, I read this on your website that you talk about how, you know, you do like control and you liked to kind of make sure everything was going a certain way and things like that. Like for me, controlling as much as I could helped me manage my anxiety. Because if I felt like I could keep my finger on everything and have things go the way that I thought they were going to go, I wouldn't find myself spiraling because I felt like I was in control. Did mm -hmm. you ever feel like that's what you were just trying to do is just kind of keep control of as much as you can and your environment and all the things so that you didn't find yourself in a situation where you were spiraling with the unknown? Absolutely. Yeah. And that started at such a young age when I tell people, some of the ticks I developed, they're like, God, that sounds really strange, but it's exactly your point. Like I couldn't have the doors open in the middle of the summer after dark. I needed all the windows closed, the doors closed and, you know, controlling my environment. The, the TV couldn't be too loud or I would feel like some, somebody could be screaming in another room and I wouldn't know it. Or, you know, all these little things that start when you're very young. And I think that they definitely, um, just get worse and worse. They did for me anyway, over time. And it's hard to explain that to other people around you who were like, well, why does it have to be exactly that way? And, and you're like, you don't understand the unraveling that will happen in my mind if we don't eat at this time. And then, you know, I start my work at this time and then I get my coffee then, and then my, you know, that's my relaxation time or there's no pivoting. There's no, um, you know, flexibility in, in your life at all, because you feel like I felt like I was walking on a tightrope all of the time. And my sister always said to me, God, you have so many rules. And she said it in such a disgust way. Like I always felt so shameful when she said it, 
But inside of me, I said, you just have no idea what I'm dealing with. Like, it's really a house of cards. If one thing is out of place or the timing's not right, the whole house of cards is going to fall. My husband would always say, yeah, you're flexible if you've decided two days before that we're going to be flexible that day. (laughs) You're easygoing as long as you've decided we're going to be easygoing. Like that's when you're open. And that was at the very beginning of our marriage. And I think about, you know, I'm thinking about you and I'm thinking about me. We're control freaks. We suffer from anxiety. And then we become stepmoms. And to (sighs) me, I, I really believe that life puts us in situations that we need in order to grow in the way that ways that we need to grow and Mm -hmm. to learn the lessons that we, we need to learn. And, you know, as a control freak experiencing anxiety, like all of that for me, just cranked up 10 notches when I became a stepmom, everything just felt worse. And it, it, you, you brought up how I used to talk about how I didn't know that everyone didn't feel rushed all the time, that everyone didn't have this pit in their stomach all day, every day until I started to really deal with my anxiety. And, you know, I went on medication, all the things, but I I did really think that's normal. So how did your anxiety change or how did your experience as a stepmom trigger your anxiety? Because it's, it's an uncontrollable situation. There's a lot of things in stepmom life that are just not in our control. Exactly. Which, which is sort of what tore me apart at the seams at the beginning, you know, absolutely not, not having control over anything. Um, and coming into a situation like that with unresolved, you know, childhood trauma, relationship issues, it's, it really does. These little people become this enormous mirror reflecting back on you, all of these insecurities and, um, you know, open wounds that you thought maybe you had grown out of, at least I did. I thought I had done so much work and God, they just, it was like putting it all under this huge microscope on a daily basis. And like, for instance, the four-year-old girl immediately upon meeting me was like, yeah, dad, no, thanks. You can send her back. Like we're good. You know, we don't need her and immediately triggered for me, my relationship with my older sister. It was like she stepped into her shoes because all I ever wanted from my older sister, right, was like acceptance and to be seen and heard and liked by her. And suddenly, because that hadn't really been resolved, like within me, not with my my sister necessarily, we had a fine relationship, but those those pain points had not been healed for me yet this little four-year-old girl was just right there and looked like she was, you know, five, eight, all of a sudden, and just saying the exact same things and triggering those same strong emotional responses from me. And yeah, having to, having to deal with that stuff on top of just the complications of being a stepmom is, it was really, really difficult. But as you're saying, like it, you know, it shines a light in all of these places. Um, for me, that's kind of what anxiety does for me now, having come through the other side. Like I still have anxious moments. I still have even panic attacks, but they shine these lights on places that I see that need to be healed or need to be, need my attention, you know, which is what being a stepmom really does too. 
If you're a stepmom craving support, advice, tips, strategies, mindset shifts, and next level conversations that I don't share anywhere else, you need to sign yourself up for my membership for stepmoms. Basically, if you like conversations like these, you're going to love what happens in the exclusive stepmom community. The exclusive stepmom community is a private space off social media for stepmoms who are looking for privacy, connection, and support. Members get access to unfiltered conversations, live Q&As, interviews with all the best step family experts, a forum where you can connect with stepmoms from all over the world and more. You can get individualized support from me and the Ask Jamie section whenever you need it. And you can also apply for free coaching calls that are recorded and shared with members of the community, anonymously, of course. I recently launched an online magazine for members as well, where I share personalized stories, musings, tips, journal prompts, and strategies for personal growth. My husband, Darren, has even chimed in. This is a space for stepmoms who want to thrive amongst the extra stress, who want to improve their stepfamily dynamic, feel more confident, feel more secure, and just feel happier. You can head to www.jamiescrimshaw.com forward slash membership to sign up. I release content every single month and check in on the forum throughout the week. www.jamiescrimshaw.com forward slash membership. I went to therapy for the first time right when Darren and I were going to get married. And I think it was a couple months before. And I thought I was going to talk about my stepkids and dealing with the ex and co-parenting and all of these different things. Right. And all of a sudden we're talking about my childhood trauma <laughs> and you don't realize how much of your present day struggles are linked back to the stories and the struggles that you have as a child. It's just so it's yeah. so crazy and intertwined. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. These stories that we tell ourselves, like they just like create these places for our brokenness to like manifest all over again. And I heard somebody say the other day, like talking about managing your anxiety, they're like, listen to the story you tell yourself every day, like every morning, are you enough? Are you a good enough parent? Are you a good enough lawyer? Are you a good enough wife? And the drama that un unfolds throughout the day with those stories starting you off, like the less drama you can have in your story, the more calm and the more, you know, happy you will be. Like if you want a lot of drama, the seventh grade, that's great. You're going to be like the most popular girl in school. But, you know, as you grow older, the less drama you can create for yourself in your own mind with your own thoughts the better off everybody's going to be, especially you mm -hmm. in terms of your, your anxiety. For sure. And that's why you got to go back and heal your stuff, right? Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. you talk a lot about triggers and how managing your triggers has really helped you manage your anxiety. And you have, is it, I believe there's four steps in identifying your triggers. Yeah. Yeah. And diffusing them. Right. And diffusing them. And I would love for you to dive into that for the community because I think that that's really, really important is because especially when it comes to anxiety or even if you're just struggling in your step family life or in any aspect of your life, being able to identify those triggers and deal with them in a healthy way is huge. It's game changing. For sure. Yeah, it absolutely was for me. And I feel like it works really well in this context. But as you said, it's so transferable to really any any situation where you're feeling these strong intense emotions just coming up. So the first step is really cultivating awareness. 
So I would describe the trigger to myself, really describe the circumstances as I'm understanding them in the moment. And that can be the whole pity party story, right? Like as bad as it sounds, whatever that saboteur that you're hearing in that moment, whether it's your judge or your victim, which are my big two saboteurs, um, really just listen to all of that and feel the emotion in your body and really just kind of own it. Like, okay, that's my story. So then once you name it and you understand really who's talking, then this is one of the most powerful things that you can do by just recognizing it and gaining some separation from that voice because now you become the observer, right? So that separation is huge. Once you gain that separation, then you can neutralize it so that the story isn't so so triggering anymore, I guess. Um, it doesn't have the same meaning. So you start describing the situation and the circumstances with neutral words instead of these, um, these loaded words, right? So my situation was I was coming to the dinner table every night and I would hear things like my mother or in, in my head, it was like the ex. And that was a big trigger for me just to have to sit there and listen to these children, like talk about their whole other life and what they're doing there and how she's parenting and I just didn't know what to do with all of that. So I started changing those words from their mother to a woman. And instead of the children, I would just say the people. And so I got to the point where you strip it down as like basic and as um, sanitized as it could possibly be. So now I'm sitting at a table with three people we are eating food and we are talking and that's it. So the circumstances become completely neutral. So once you do that, you can get grounded in the moment, which is also a technique that I use when I'm feeling like a panic attack come on. And so this starts to diffuse the fight or flight response that you're having. Right. And this technique is you can either use the five, four, three, two, one technique, which I'm sure you've heard of, and it's finding five things that you can see. It's about um, really stimulating all of your senses. So five things that you can see, four things that you can hear, three things you can touch and so forth. You can also do just one sense and you just stimulate that sense for just 10 seconds at a time. And that's typically the one that I use because my mind kind of starts to jump around when I'm doing five and then four. And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm still going to die. Like what I can't, you know, <laughs> I can't find something to, to smell. I'm in a car and I smell nothing. And then I'm just panicking again. So I tip like for me, I like the 10 seconds because I can really just get absorbed in that one sense. And this really shifts your focus out of your survivor brain into that more prefrontal cortex where the sage lives. Um, and I'm getting that term from Shirzad Shamin's book, the, um, I probably just totally hacked his name. I'm sorry, but the, um, from positive intelligence, which I love that book. And so once you trigger the sage and you're, you're grounded after you've neutralized everything, you, you're coming into the situation not from a place of fear and shame and guilt anymore and panic. You're coming into it from the sage's perspective, which is really curiosity, trying to find connection, looking for possibilities, you know, that it's more of like a growth mindset versus a fear retreat mindset. 
And from there, the fourth step is to just rebuild the story, like change the narrative and build it from that neutral place back up again. And for me, it was really like looking for these openings, these cracks that only I could fit through, you know, like where do my unique qualities in this situation, um, where can I shine a light? Where can I um, bring value? Where can I, you know, add love and only a way that I could versus comparing myself, feeling less than, assuming that they don't want me there, assuming that I'm going to be rejected regardless of what I do or say, you just rebuild the story like as beautiful and as believable as you possibly can. And it was a huge game changer for me. Mm -hmm. I love that. And to go back to the senses piece and there might be, I just always, cause I know before I was in this personal development growth mindset in my life, I would hear things like that and be like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? Like, okay, <laughs> really? This is, this is, you know, getting weird, but it, it, it's not like, this is actually so, so game changing. If you're experiencing that anxiety and I just wanted to share a little bit of what I do you talk about the senses. And for me, what that looks like is coming back to the vibe of my house, like coming back to that space where it's like, okay, I, what can I do to focus on the vibe and the atmosphere in this home? So just that's what I focus on. So if, you know, maybe I'm triggered by something my stepson has said or a email from the ex or whatever is going on, that's what I do. I come back to the vibe of my home and it's about putting on some soft music or just, you know, what can I do to make this feel like a super safe space right now? And what do I want the kids to remember about the vibe in this home and really mm -hmm. finding myself in that space. And that just gives you the room and the space to come out with a completely different mindset and thinking about what you can bring to the situation and how you can rewrite that story based right. on the truths, not in the insecurities and not on the stories that you've been telling yourself based on whatever it is, some bullshit story that we've been telling ourselves that has made us so anxious in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I like that. Yeah. Because we have so much to bring and we do ourselves such a disservice by shrinking into this tiny place, like where we think we need to hide from this big, scary circumstance that we've been dragged into, you know? Yeah. It's, it's just when you, when you have that mindset shift, it's, I think it's so beneficial for everyone in the family. You see everybody's light kind of turn on versus when you retreat into this place of fear. Um, you really, you know, you see it play out in the family dynamics so differently. Mm -hmm. And especially, I love what you said that when you're like, what, what do I bring here? That's unique. What is my unique contribution to this? And I and I talk about this a lot. And Mary T. Kelly and I actually talked about it in a recent podcast episode, which if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to that episode, please go listen to it because it was so good. But the competition piece, right? Often stepmoms will feel triggered when you know, the ex is mentioned or someone says, you know, the kids mention their mom or feeling like they need to compete and all of those things, it's not a competition. And as soon as you look at it as you're providing this unique role, in addition to the role that they have with their mom, everything changes and you don't feel as triggered by that anymore as well. For sure. And there's not a certain amount of love that children can get and then they don't need or want anymore. You know, it's like, it's, it's a never ending 
beautiful cycle of just the more beauty and love and added value that you can provide, the better. The children mm-hmm. only really, for me, I found, got into that place of um, rejection is really when I was coming to the table feeling rejected already, you know, and they were mm-hmm. because humans just feel like that. They're not going to be the ones to reach out and say, Hey, you look a little, you look a little down or, you know, you sort of play out the worst case scenario. If you're coming to the situation in that mindset versus Mm -hmm. like you were saying that growth opportunity, what can I provide mindset? Um, And they pick up on that competition vibe too. Like they pick up Mm -hmm. on the vibe of the household too. And that's why that's been my number one focus, especially this year. They know if you're in competition mode with their mom and if they feel like you're trying to compete with their mom, they are going to side with their mom. Right. That's when you're going to start to feel rejected. That's when you're going to feel like you don't have a spot when you're trying to take a spot or compete with a spot that is, is the spot it's already, it's going to be there no matter what. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a whole other, whole other topic, but for stepmoms really feeling this anxiety piece, make sure that you're not competing, make sure you're not feeling like you need to compare with someone else because it's, it's a losing battle in so many different ways. For sure. And I think that that's also, I hadn't really thought about it um, before this, but I think it was a big trigger for me. Loss of identity was always a big trigger for me in my sort of anxiety journey. Like that's why I kind of fell off of a cliff when I went to college, it was a definite loss of identity. And then after I graduated from law school, another loss of identity where, you know, you have those rungs on a ladder in your mind that you're, you know, you're going to reach, but when you actually get there, it's like you fall off into the abyss and there's nothing there. So I felt like when I made that decision to become a part of this family and give up the thought of being a birth mother, I did kind of fall into a bit of a loss of identity. Like I had never identified with being a stepmom. I had no examples of that in my life. And I think it was a hard process to really understand what that was going to look like for me. And if I was going to be, you know, all in, if this was really what my life was going to look like. So it was, you know, that kind of a a real transition, I think is definitely a source of anxiety that um, adds to it, adds to the difficulty of it for sure. But, you know, it just also highlights that there's important work there to be done. And I think everybody grows, um, from it. Everyone in the family grows if you're willing to do that work. Mm-hmm, for sure. And you have to do the work. Now you talk about anxiety being your superpower. Now you're writing a book on it, all of this stuff. How do you feel like anxiety has become your superpower? So, um, I really call it now. It's like my guide in my light. And I feel like that's a song when I say it, but, um, for me, if it's it really, isn't, it should be, <laughs> It's really become now um, an invitation to examine my thoughts and heal my wounds. And it really shines a light into these places where I used to resist. And and it was so painful for me because I knew the anxiety was talking and I knew there was another voice inside of me wanting to do whatever the thing was or go into that place. And I just couldn't do it. The anxiety was too strong. And so that was kind of where it would tear me apart at the seams. Now having gained that awareness and being able to recognize 
the voices versus my authentic voice, um, I know exactly that that's where I need to go. Like it's illuminating the path that I need to follow because of the resistance I'm feeling. And I know that in that I'm going to be building resilience. And for me, resilience is a superpower in and of itself. So, so that's a huge part of it for me now. Um, I would say also, I think having gone through anxiety, so I'll back up. I feel like another superpower for all humans is to, rather than fear their negative emotions, to be able to feel their negative emotions. And I wrote a blog on that that's on my website as well. But um, if you can feel and manage your negative emotions, you really can do anything because so many people are buffering throughout the day, like overeating, over drinking, over shopping, over gambling, over whatever. And we do so many of these behaviors because we don't want to feel restless. We don't want to feel bored. We don't want to hear the negative thoughts running through our mind that we're less than, we're not good enough. We're going to fail, right? That's why we're kind of buffering against all of those things. And if you've had anxiety, for me, I think you know, having three panic attacks a day or having this constant underline of just this fight or flight response, just, you know, always in the background, always a pit in your stomach, like you're saying, always having racing thoughts, never feeling calm or at peace. If you can learn how to manage all of that and you've already worked through all of that, feeling restless and feeling bored, that's kind of like a walk in the park, you know? So once you've done that kind of work, I feel like you're just unstoppable. So on the other side of it for me now, I feel like when I feel a little bit of anxiety or whatever, it kind of, it reminds me of how strong and how resilient I really am having gone through all of that. Like when I tell people I would never change it, you know, after decades of that painful work, and a lot of it wasn't even work. A lot of it was just being at the bottom of that dark well, you know, suffering through it. Um, I really wouldn't change it. I, I don't know who I would be today. I, I feel so empowered by it now, having examined it and gone back to heal those wounds. I mean, that's another part of it too, that I've, it has brought me back in the work that I did to really finally overcome it. That's chronicled in this book that going back to heal all of those open wounds that was really what I was struggling with reconciling. Like, why am I having so much of this anxiety? Where is it coming from? I wasn't like this always, you know, and then being able to go back and heal all of it. I think if it weren't for the anxiety, you know, it manifests itself for other people in other ways, those open wounds. If it weren't for my anxiety, I wouldn't have done that work. And maybe I would just be trying to deal with it in other ways, you know, hiding from it or, addicted to something or I, you know, I don't know, but I feel like it's given me an amazing gift. And that work also has opened up so many other doors for me in my life now going forward. I mean, I'm just so much more adventurous. My relationships are so connected on such a deep level that I could never get to before. And yeah, you just feel, I feel like a superhero. I feel like what could I not do now that I've done that? You know, like mm -hmm. what more could I do? Like, this is just, I just feel like my future is so unlimited now. Oh, I love that so much. And I just wrote down what you said. Anxiety helped me examine my thoughts and heal my wounds. Like that, that speaks to me so much because it is, it's this reminder of all of the things that you need to deal with that you haven't dealt with. And as soon as you do, as soon as you process through 
all of the stuff that is showing up for you in the form of anxiety or in the form of control or insecurity or whatever it is you're dealing with, it, it really does open new doors for such deeper relationships and just a better relationship with yourself, just more, you know, more secure and confident in who you are. It's, it's, it, that's, that is game changing. Yeah, for sure. And I would say the other thing is, um, that I would never would have thought possible because of what anxiety does to your mind. And as you were saying, and as Anne Lamott says, um, like my mind is like the scariest neighborhood I could imagine. Like I don't, I'm not going in there alone, you know? And I felt the same way for so many years now having really worked on a meditation practice and found such a deep, like abiding peace so deep inside of myself, so much deeper than that anxiety existed on, you know, like a higher level getting beyond that. And I kind of, I think about it like being in a plane and going up through the clouds and going up through the turbulence of the clouds. And for me, that was the anxiety and I could never get past that point. It's the racing thoughts. It's the anxiety. It's, and I would just be like, get me out of this plane, get me on the ground. Like I'm done. I can't do it anymore. But if you pushed to that next level, you see the sun come out, you break through those clouds and you know how that plane feels, right? When it is just so calm, you wonder if you're actually even flying anymore. You're like, how can it be this calm in this amazing, huge plane with still all of that energy, right? Coming from the engines and what have you and still the same energy that was in those clouds, but just in this amazing, peaceful space. And that's what I found in doing that meditation work. And now because I do it enough, I can take that with me anywhere I go. I can take it into the woods when I'm panicking and, you know, I'm having these anxious thoughts and like a turbulent plane that was always a trigger for me. So any of these other triggers, I always have that is always accessible to me now. And it's really like, it's what my anxiety medicine used to be for me, um, you know, it hidden in my pocket where I couldn't leave without having that kind of crutch to know that that peaceful space inside of me is like the only crutch I need now is extremely empowering. And that is so, so powerful. And I love that analogy about the turbulence because now when you've gone through the turbulence and you've noticed, you know, you've experienced this great plane ride or whatever, then the next time you go through that turbulent weather or, you know, that experience in the plane, you know, it's going to end, you know, there's something on the other side, you know, you're going to be able to get through it. So that's such a good analogy. I love it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Wendy. Where can everyone find you? So my website is wendytamisrobbins.com. And so there's a lot of great juicy content on there. Um, there is something on there actually that is, um, 10 types of anxiety and how to deal with it. Like right now, instead of, you know, it's not about doing this long-term work or what have you, but some of the things that we touched on today, um, really like, you know, um, what to do in the moment type of thing and in a nice description, you know, around describing the different types of anxiety. I think there's a lot of confusion about that sometimes. Um, so that is on my website. Now, my pretty panicked podcast is coming out soon. I'm totally a hundred percent into my book launch and, you know, post book launch work right now. So that kind of got tabled for a minute, but I'm really looking forward to that coming out. So good. And I will share all of that with everyone. As soon as it comes out, you have to let me know and we will get that out to the world. Thanks. Yeah, that'd be great. And then on November 4th, November, where am I? May 4th is uh, the launch of the box. 
and that will be available where all books are sold. So um, hopefully people will check that out. I cannot wait. Thank you so much. We will link all of the things for listeners and uh, we've got to do this again. Thank you so much, Wendy. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It was great. Okay, guys, if you like this podcast, please do me a little favor. Take a second and subscribe on iTunes and then screenshot this podcast. Give it a share in social media and tell your friends what you think. And hey, don't forget to tag me so that I can thank you for helping me spread the word. Thanks so much. And I will talk to you next week.